Put on the bourbon bottle. Oak in the barrel. La la la. Hello. Oh, hi, Merlin Man. How's everything? Good morning, Dan. How are you? Well, quite a nice day today here in Austin. Is it? Could you just describe the, the climatological... Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I just can't do it. How, could you how describe you? the climatological specificities <laughs> where and to you uh, regards your enjoyment there yeah. too? So how, yeah. Uh, how is everything way? It's good. Yeah. Everything's way. Everything's yeah. super way. Uh, it's good. It's nice. It's nice here. This is uh, <clears throat> summertime. Summertime in San Francisco. So, you know, we occasionally get a morning where it's nice and then it goes back to the fog. But it's good. It's yeah. very good. Things, things are fine. I have a little bit of a pinch in my, in my back. But oh, not, a, not the same thing again. <laughs> yeah, I think there might be something wrong with our mattress. Oh, my gosh. Do you just sleep on it wrong? You wake up with it? I don't know. I do the best I can, you know, just like with everything. <laughs> right. I show up. I lay down. Yeah. I wake up in the middle of the night to urinate and realize I'm in writhing pain. And I get back in bed like a gentleman. You know, the thing is, you know, it's the life that chose me. <laughs> so it's okay. I, I don't know what I did because I've been really not doing much specifically uh, the last few days. So I don't know where it came from. You know, you can, you can, you can, you can harm yourself pretty easily once you get to my age. You know, like just by doing what used to be a regular fun activity. Uh, can I tell you a story? Yes. All right. So I, uh, Cash and I had pulled up in front of the, the fish gallery, which is the name of a fish store. And they have a little, they had a little shark egg, uh, can, you know, like attached to the side of a tank. They were waiting for it to hatch. And so he was very excited to go and see if it had hatched. So we pull up and he gets out of the car and he's da, 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 da. What? There's a really big grasshopper over here. <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't just a big grasshopper. It was the largest grasshopper that has ever lived. Like a Florida one, like an orange and, orange and black one? It was green and black and really just tremendously big. And, uh, and, and of course, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, well, just let's just go around. You know, we'll go around and we'll give it its space because it was taking up a whole uh, parking space by itself. And it, as, as soon as we're trying to avoid it, 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 takes off it jumps and its wings are flapping and it's moving and my instant reaction is to sort of try to duck and roll away from it you know get out of its path <laughs> like you're like you're on swat <laughs> yeah like you know da -da -da, da -da -da. <laughs> and and you know the pain that comes from doing this kind of movement when it's not a practiced thing oh dear is exquisite oh my god yeah i'm fine now but for the rest of the day i was it was touch and go Oh, I'm so sorry, Dan. Yeah. We were able to, to rest up. And, yeah, and I'm, all, I'm all better now. But it, this is the kind of thing that, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, maybe, that would just, you would just recover from that without experiencing any pain. <laughs> you wouldn't need to recover. Yeah. Yeah, I used to really pride myself on my, I still have pretty good reflexes. And I, um, but when I was younger, like I was pretty live. Like even, even into my 30s, I could just do a round off when it suited me. And, uh, and, and boy, you learn to stop doing that. You know, can I just say, people, if you remember being able to do a round off, confirm that before you start rounding off. You know, uh, sudden movements now. I, it's like <laughs> sudden I, uh, movements. That's I'll it. be making a beverage and an ice cube will bounce out of the freezer and I, I throw my back out trying to catch it. Yeah. And I want to stop doing that kind of thing. The same thing happened. I was pulling a, a, an empty, an empty car too. I had a cardboard box with some stuff in it and I had an empty cardboard box balancing on top. And the empty cardboard box, I'm taking this out of my trunk and it falls to the ground. <laughs> 
and my instinct is to try to catch it. You know, like uh, like what's his name in uh, Big Trouble in Little China at the end. That's a young and, man's instinct, Dan. Yeah, and and I'm like, you know, I was fine, but I knew that if I had been more aggressive about trying to ca- to catch it, it would have really hurt. And I'm like, why? It's an first of all, it's an empty cardboard box. Second. There's very few things that if if they hit the ground from a two foot drop, other than like my iPhone or computer, like or child, what's a big deal? They're going to be fine. Just let it let it go. I need to unlearn that instinct. Mm, that's wise. See now, what's nice now is you're uh, you're pulling into your wisdom a little bit, which is good. Now I do the same thing. I you know it's. Uh, not interesting, but it is hard. Yeah, and it's in the same place on my back. So I think, I don't know if it's the bed. The bed has a slight peak to the middle. I think I think by virtue of the fact that we slept in it so many nights, I think it's starting to kind of get used to us. And it's getting a little bit, uh, I don't know, it's getting a little mouthy, our bed. I think it's 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 starting to take a bit of an attitude. So I probably the, be, the up bed a little is, bit. The bed is. Well, it's foam. It's from Sweden. You know, it's got an attitude. Oh, like memory foam? I can't, I don't recall. But... <laughs> Wow! You put, a glass, you put a glass of wine on there and, and 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 bounce. Yeah, you could stand, be dancing around right next to that glass of wine. I find that who doesn't that, want a glass of wine in bed with them? <laughs> well, this is the thing. This is why they have the sleep number today. Because there was a time when if you wanted to just set a glass of Cabernet in your bed, your partner would not be able to jump in place. And now that's been solved. Thank you, Sweden. Remember that? I, that was always a very disturbing image to me. Like so many things in commercials. The image of the person jumping on the bed while there's a glass of wine yeah, on it. And she really enjoyed it, too. There's a lot of things wrong with that, Dan. <laughs> the, 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 the proof of how good your bed is is if you can dance around with a, a glass of wine next to you. This is the kind of thing you used to see on TV. Like, they had not vetted that idea. That was the owner's idea, I bet. He's like, I got an idea. We got to show uh, stability of the, uh, the foam unit. So we'll get a uh, stemmed glass of wine and then uh, get some jumping. I and am like, so... Oh, so jealous of people like you who can get a decent night's sleep on one of those memory foam or memory foam type beds. I just mm-hmm. really am just envious of that. What do you, you have a water bed or what do you do? <laughs> no, it's just a traditional, uh, you know, spring mattress with the, with the coils. Oh, you got the coil suspension system with the, the mattress on top. Yeah. I love that. That's traditional perfect. Bed. Yeah, yeah. Traditional bed. I have slept on the memory foam bed. And it, one night on a memory foam bed does more damage to to my spine and nervous system than I would think going a couple rounds, you know, boxing. Oh, no, that's terrible. Yeah, I can't do it. I've just gotten used to the fact that any kind of small injury basically takes me three months to recover from. <laughs> that's because you're so, so very old. Did I tell you about the world's worst demo? You know, I do terrible demos. I'm kind of famous for this. Like, I try to show somebody something cool on the computer and I can't get it to work. I did the world, world's worst demo about two weeks ago, which I noticed that I'd left my razor sitting on the, uh, on the counter. And my daughter was in the bathtub. My wife's giving her a bath. And I was like, you know, you know not to mess with this razor, right? I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, you know, it doesn't look like much, but this is really, really sharp. And to demonstrate... I drew it uh, across my hand to show her how the hair on the back of my hand would be cut off by these seemingly innocuous blades. And instead, I managed to rip off like my top layer of skin. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like, oh. a, like imagine like a little like like a half inch river uh, opened up and my daughter who's not a big fan of the blood. I was like, oh my God, what have I done? No. This is the worst. Maybe it's the greatest demo ever. Just shows you don't listen to dad. That's number one. <laughs> right. Don't worry about razors. Oh my gosh. See this rifle, honey? In the right hands, this is a, what was I saying? Like, and then uh, it's healing now. 
it's healing now. But, you know, it's... Uh, It'll never be the same. It's like I cut my palm at a party three times the other day, and I don't know how. I think there was foil on the bourbon bottle, and when I would open it, <laughs> I've got three irregular cuts uh, on my palm. Like Wolverine claws, but from the wrong side. Every time it hurts. <laughs> I think about that now. Every Snakes. time I watch it. And, <laughs> and so here's a question for you about, have you seen the Wolverine movie? The, the, the one Wolverine. Yeah, the one yes. in Japan, yeah. Yes. Well, I have a question for you. About this. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about this? Spoiler alert, maybe? Yeah, go ahead, caller. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to tell you about the Wolverine uh, movie. So, uh, <laughs> basically, there's the part where he, I don't have a, like, spoiler alert, then now we can talk about it. His healing powers are, I'll use the word subdued. Ugh, don't get me started on this, Dan. And okay, I'm listening like a gentleman, but I'm so angry about that movie. Go me, ahead. Me too. There's so much wrong oh, with that. I just watched it. I just finished watching it in two parts last night. Okay. And so it's he's still surviving injuries and things that would kill a regular human, but he's super slowed down what, what his healing factor can do. And <laughs> uh, what's not really mentioned is like he – so he has these – he's been shot several times and these uh-huh. wounds are – they're bad, you know, and like he has gauze over them and things like that. He's like a – not quite a regular human, but he's, he's now hurt by these things which in the past wouldn't have hurt him. Now he's just, just another angry alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. And – Why don't you take the foil off this bottle, bub? <laughs> So, so he he's, he's got gauze. He's got gauze. And he goes and now when he, as we all know, the claws are beneath the surface of his uh, his skin. And every time he extends the claws, they are cutting through his skin. And it hurts for him to do that. But now that he's sort of more susceptible to injury and bleeding and things like that, he's still extending his claws. But there's no blood. There's no evidence of there being pain and when the claws retract there's no open wound there which my guess is that if if uh, i were to cut myself with a adamantium claw if for the sake of argument you had three small sores that lived in your forearm that would occasionally pop out of your hand and i didn't have a healing factor you didn't have a healing factor that those would be open wounds the same way you have the, the wounds on your hand from the tin the aluminum foil yes tin foil as we used to say <laughs> I still call it tinfoil. I do too. I and do I still too. say I want to tape that show. <laughs> I say that all the time. I say that all the time. People just look at me like, are you just plain yeah. mad? You're mental. Yeah. yeah. I hmm, See, I blotted it out already. There was parts about it that were good. I thought, you know, the performances were good. I thought the whole thing at the end with the cutting off of the claws was pretty gruesome. And But, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot about comics, Dan. But I, I, I know a few facts about Wolverine. First of all, let's just stipulate for people who are new to the show, welcome. This is Back to Work, the show about productivity, creativity, barriers, Dan, Merlin. And uh, occasionally we talk about Wolverine. Now, the thing to know about Wolverine is everything about Wolverine changes. You know this. Yeah. We've talked about this. Everything changes when you realize that Wolverine uh, has been really messed with, as he'll, he'll always remind you. He's kind of whiny about it. But basically, that he still feels the pain of everything that happens right, to him. Right. It's just he has an extraordinary healing factor that allows him to kind of bounce back from it, you know? And, and I think that's what really, that makes his character uh, really interesting. You know, it's in some ways it's a, uh, I don't know, it's a good topic. Well, he's, like, a, he, he's, uh, a, he's, he's still for all intents and purposes, a regular person when it comes to how he experiences the world. And, and he's just as concerned about getting hurt as you and I would in the sense that it's, it's going to cause him 
pain. Yes. It's going to cause him pain when that happens to him, just the same way that it would if we got hurt. The only thing is he doesn't have to worry about it because it's going to get better right away. Yeah, and the, the, thing, the thing, like, I, I was trying to allow myself to disappear into the story and just enjoy the movie like a person. Yeah. But after he got, you know, uh, depowered, it was again very unclear like how much depowering he had actually had. Because the thing about Wolverine, he's five foot two, I believe, and he weighs three hundred pounds. Yeah. Because his entire skeleton is here's the thing: Skele- his entire skeleton is coated in in a, basically a deadly metal, poisonous metal. Mm-hmm. And the reason, now again, so he can heal, but the whole reason they could do that was he's constantly healing. His body, he is in like writhing pain all the time because his entire body is trying to heal around something that's unhealable. It's pretty brilliant. Well, and so it also slows- You ever think about that? Like, because you know what would happen if he didn't have, have his healing powers? Guess what? A, he wouldn't be able to jump on a roof and go, ow, that kind of hurt. Right. He wouldn't be able to jump off and go, ow, my ankle. Because he weighs 300 pounds and now he can't heal. And he would be dead in like, he would be dead in what? Like a minute. He'd be dead in a minute. Yeah. Because there's he's adamantium. Am I missing something? Is it no. sequestered? Is it non-bioavailable adamantium? Can I see a chart? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Dan. Yeah. It's real super frustrating. No, it it really is. And it, you try to imagine, you know, also like his healing factor is super slowed down because he is always fighting against this skeleton, this foreign metal, this thing that's in there. And if... Uh, it, there have been times where he has had the adamantium removed and he heals like instantaneously. And even be, because that thing is like slowing him down at all times, it's always, always slowing him down. Yeah. I mean, but think about like if you, uh, I don't know, if you had the cab of an 18 wheel truck suddenly stop moving and you had to move it like that thing, when the engine works, that thing's plenty powerful to not only pull itself around, but to pull around a big load of stuff with a shipping container on the back. Yeah, right. But you know now he's got he is a he is a truck with with no uh, no engine essentially I don't know I'm not putting this well it's early here Dan also they're doing a little bit of uh, of work outside so it might get loud I arrived at work and there's a bunch of guys in vests uh, outside uh, with a tank removal company so they're removing a tank outside a tank of what I don't know I didn't have time to check I I don't know if I need to do anything in here is it flammable I, I it might be inflammable I don't know. <laughs> You know, they had to change that. They had to make that incorrect so people would understand it. Did you know that? Like infamous? Yes. Yeah, like in, a lot of people, it turns out, a lot of people don't know infamous actually means lots of people like you. Right. It's more in than slam. famous. More than famous, as they right. say it's, in the Three Amigos. Pre- preternatural, yes. uh, penultimately infamous. There is no more fame. Yeah, so... Um, Oh, that's frustrating. Uh, so you're, you're, what you're saying is that with age, your healing factor has has also been subdued in, in one way or another. Yeah, like if a bunch of people came in like shot chains and with hooks on them and tried to drag me down the street, <laughs> I would not be in, in a good place. Yeah. Be like, ow, ow, ow. Um, anyway, clean your bourbon bottle. That's important. I think that's just, that's step zero. So how you been? I, we haven't talked in a while. The yeah. Skype seems to be working. That's that's a nice nice thing. Yeah, it seems to be doing all right. We'll see. <laughs> show, yeah. It's early in the show. <laughs> you seem like you've been keeping busy. I heard you on the news the other day. I didn't hear I, Michael. It was you. I, Michael, hadn't done it for a while, and then you did the news, and so I, I, you seem like you're busy. 
Yeah, uh, we, you know, he's he's been doing it for I don't know a long time, hundreds of hundreds of episodes, too, almost three hundred. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's good. Three hundred, almost three hundred episodes, and he's just too busy. So we're yeah. uh, we're 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 doing it. We took it back over, and we've got a we've got a a writer who's doing it, and uh, we come in. And we're gonna have fun with it. We're gonna change it up, and uh, but yeah, we missed it. We missed having a, a quick, you know, like less than five minute. I was glad uh, to see it. I, I enjoy that program. I, I that's one of the rare things that we listen to every day um, when, when iMac was doing it. I'm glad to see it back. So you have a staff. You have a staff that prepares these things for you. Yeah, we have uh, well, one one guy. Josh Centers is helping out with that. Uh, super cool guy. Josh Centers. I've seen him on the uh, internet. Yeah, I've seen he's him out, on, He's way out the there. Twitter. Yeah, I saw him on the Twitter yesterday. I know that name. Yeah. Very confusing, Dan. Everybody's got a fake internet name. You got to square that with their real name, and then they're using an old photo when they had hair. It's super confusing mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But the nice thing is, as you get older, also, you, you try fewer things, so you don't have to heal as much. And that can be nice. It's like a laid-back approach to life. Very laid-back. Did you want to tell me about something that you like? I would like to tell you about uh, a little company called Smile. It's the little oh. company that could. They're so little. They are. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh... I need to get on your computer and type things for you. <laughs> PDFs can be very hard to work with. Hello. You you know, but they make PDFs so much easier to work with. They they have they got elves. They literally put literal elves. <laughs> they, they, and, and people don't know this in Portland. There are elves and you can dispatch them. It's called a deploy. You get a pull request and you get an elf on your computer. Fixes things for you. You type a couple letters and, and, you, and you got a whole thing going there. That's true. Anyway, you were saying about PDFs. Well, along with every copy, this is a special deal they've got. Along with every copy of PDF Pen that you buy for your iPad, you will receive an actual living elf uh, if you use the promo code. uh, Well, it's a URL, smallsoftware.com slash B2W to get your elf. But but they do something called PDF Pen. and uh, I I hear a lot of people already saying, I'm not sure I really want an elf or need an elf or can handle an elf. I already have 10 cats. (laughs) What, what, What do I need with an elf? And I'm just here to say, you don't even realize, as with all of Smile's products, including uh, the PDF pen, you don't realize how much you need it until you need it, and then you really need it. It's a lot like an elf. Yeah, no, it really is. And uh, PDF pen for iPad, what this does is it lets you edit PDFs anywhere you are. And they have, you've, you, everybody's talking about those transporters, you know, the little personal cloud sharing things. It, has, it, it integrates with, uh, with transporter so that you now can like put your PDFs in your own private secure cloud. But what this basically, the, mo- the I think people are using this the most for like signing a contract or fixing a typo or, you know, updating something, filling out a form while you're on the go, you take the PDF with you, right? You can add your notes, you put in your highlighting, you do all the, all the markup that you want. And these things will sync using, uh, using OS X's iCloud. You can also have them sync with Dropbox. You can grab and save the PDFs right out of Dropbox or Evernote or Google Drive or Box and, not, like I mentioned now, Transporter. So you can get this right in the App Store and you can get the file transporter at filetransporter.com. But all of this stuff, it's built in, it's seamless, and, uh, and it's just genius. And, you know, everything about the iPad and iOS in general is so conducive to, like, doing something with a document, signing it. Why would you, you know, we do contracts all the time here and I always see people like they're scanning them or they're taking pictures of them. I'm like, dude, just check out PDF pen because we send them a PDF. They sign it. They can send it right back. Super useful. Like this should just be on everyone's iPad. So go check these folks out. Smilesoftware.com slash B2W. That's the place to go to support this show. Find out more about it and, uh, and go check out PDF pen from Smile. Our thanks to uh, Smile and their elves. 
for supporting five by five and back to work. I think there's two big classes of people with this. Okay. This is not part. This is, they didn't tell us to say this. On the one hand, you got people who are attorneys, academics, engineers, scientists, people who have to deal with PDFs like a lot. And you know, I, I imagine in, in some areas there are you know specialties or security things where you got to like go go to a special server. But there are just people who just deal with a lot of PDFs all day long. And I know those people are using this app because they have to use this app. It really, and the, but then there's people like me. To me, it's like a fire extinguisher. Like the less I have to use it, the better I feel. But when it's there, I am so glad that it's there. And it's, it's saved my butt so many times. Did I damn them with faint, faint praise, Dan, just now? I don't feel like that, no. Okay. Will their, will their elf be hurt? No, no injuries. Hmm. Hmm. I watched a lot of Harry Potter movies in the last uh, week or so. Sort of your escape? <clears throat> uh, I mean, I'm still in the house. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> A lot of uh, a lot of little, little little creatures, and I think my whole taxonomy of uh, fan, uh, fantastical creatures might be a little bit messed up. I think I think I might need to go back to school for uh, learning learn what's what. Now you got elves in the uh, in the ring books, and and they look like uh, ladies with white hair and pointy ears. But then in some places, elves make shoes, and they're like a foot and a half tall. Is that is that a nomenclature problem? Like, which is the real elf? Right, because you've got Keebler elves. Yes, and they're not they're not a sponsor. Just FYI. Okay. Uh, and then you've got the Tolkien elves. Yes. And then you've got like you got, elves. You got, and, you got drow elves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they mine. They're very dark. The Keebler oh, elves right. make cookies in a tree. And then you got the guys who show up in the middle of the night to do your work uh, if you're a shoe guy. It seems weird because there's also sometimes, well, you've got the dwarves. You've got hobbits, also known as halflings in, in our parlance. And you've also then got uh, fairies, which is different than what you're thinking. Yeah, right. And it's it's different from a, from a pixie. Yeah, right. And are those muggles are, there, are all elves muggles? I don't know. And then there's trolls, which are different depending on whose book you're reading. Sometimes right. trolls are these big, giant kind of what I would call o- ogres. In Harry Potter, the the these guys are big. Yeah. Yeah, I would call that like a giant. Like, then you got Hagrid, who's half like half a giant. Yeah, you got some people that look like Stallman and live under a bridge. That's a whole different thing. That one's got goats. So I don't know. The Lego um, Movie does a good job of discriminating between uh, Gandalf and the other. Uh, oh, the uh, the the uh, the guy from um, Harry Potter. Uh, hmm? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. I, I, could... I, thought, I thought you were thinking of Morgan Freeman. He's, oh. he's unsighted in that movie. Yeah, right. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah, those movies are really, really long. Oh, right. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't really watched them. I mean, I think I saw the one with Gary Oldman playing himself. Oh, he's in uh, the the third one, the Azkaban Prisoner of Azkaban. I enjoy, I enjoy anything he does. Sign me up. I'm trying to figure out what the system is because, like, we watched, we watched, we got up to um, the the third Ultimate one uh, last night. The the uh, Half Blood Prince. I, I didn't like it. I thought I'd mm. like it. I didn't like it. It was beautifully shot, but, uh, but it was, uh, you know, it's funny because I, I feel like I've been, I've been thinking, I've been hearing for years about the Harry Potter books and how much kids and grownups like them. Yeah. And I, I've been trying to figure out how to introduce it because I, I think it's a good wedge to the reading thing. Mm-hmm. But it's great in all formats. The movies are, the movies are, 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 are very enjoyable. The audiobooks are fantastic. But I, I feel like a little bit of a cheater because I've read to my daughter probably five pages of the uh, Philosopher's Stone, the first book. I've uh, 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 we've listened to three chapters of the first book, and now 
in about a week and a half, we've watched, I think, six movies. Wow. Well, do you, do you guys like, do you have a, a nighttime reading routine, like where you read to her? Yeah. 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 Mostly my wife read, reads to her at, uh, around bedtime. They're reading the new uh, Zeta, the Space Girl book. Oh, that's cool. See, we've we've been kind of doing more of like uh, sequential chapter books, like we talked about the Narnia. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. We're now onto the Lemony Snicket uh, books, and the first three Lemony Snicket books are the movie that uh, the Jim Carrey was in that apparently was a pretty good movie, maybe. so. The, ma- the Mask. Yeah, the, right, The Mask. And uh, we're, so I'm, whole, he really wants to watch a movie and it's like right there in, in uh, on, you know, on the TV because I've already got it set up and he's like, I really want to watch it. I'm like, dude, we're only halfway through the second book. Come on. Yeah. So he's got to wait. Learn Make him some wait. some patience. A little patience the is good. The most impatient age, I think, is, is, you know, that five to seven year range. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it gets better. You see that picture? You see the grasshopper I sent you? Oh gosh, no! Let me hold on. Let me look, look over in the, in the yeah, other robot. The robot. Did you have these in your Florida? In my Florida, I want to say maybe in the springtime, you'd wake up one morning and suddenly, outside your house, you've got dozens. <gasps> of oh giant. my gosh, those are terrible. There, and I, you can't really tell from the scale how big these things are. This is the Romalia guttata, maybe. But just look up a uh, big ass Florida grasshopper, <laughs> and it'll show up. In Mississippi, they're known as the giant locust. <laughs> Oh, listen to what this says here. Listen to what this says. In Missouri, says. they're known as the hoppabug. In, in the black adult color phase, the grasshopper is widely nice. known by the name Diablo or Black Diablo. Is this okay to say? I, don't, I think that's a little bit ping pong. In Louisiana, they are known as the Devil's Horse or <laughs> Cheval Diable. We call it the, the jumping crawfish. The graveyard grasshopper. Oh, and they're so big. I used to go out with a uh, with a towel and snap them and try to. Or, or Why would them. you in, want choose to interact with them? This is puzzling. Oh, they're everywhere. They'd be all outside the house. They're everywhere, and they're like they would like they would fill most of your hand. Oh, you can look here on the uh, on the internet. You can see pictures of them. Don't. They're so big. They're like if you include their little legs and their little little tentacles, they're they're like probably like six inches long. Oh, there's a book called Grasshoppers of Florida. I did not know that. Oh my God, this is horrific. <gasps> How do people do that, Dan? How do they do that? Mm, 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 mm. Um, I didn't prepare anything for this week. I know, I know you, you enjoy when I don't prepare, so I thought I would uh, go, go in, uh, go in uh, cold this week. Dolly was terrified of grasshoppers. Who's that? Salvador Dolly. Oh, yeah, and, and ants. And he, he, he and described women. them as uh, the, uh, anytime you see them, they're a representation of abject terror did you ever go to the museum in st pete did you ever i sure have oh brother is that a great museum love it oh man it's like something yeah. out of clockwork orange hmm. with the hmm. white white walls and the oh ludovico technique <laughs> that's correct yeah um nadsat yes uh video well um, <laughs> that's good wow you're good um uh, I won't tell you how many times I read that book in high school. You won't? No. It's what if embarrassing. I guess? guess, yeah. Six. Yeah, probably about six or seven times. That was me in Slaughterhouse Five. Oh. Yeah, that's the only, that's the only <laughs> book I've read more than a few times. That and that Confederacy of Dunces. That's, that's all I'll read. That's, yeah. all I, that's all I need, really, is those two. Those two, and you're set, ready to go. Oh, yeah. It's everything you need to know about America. Um, oh, you know, I, I did want to mention something. I have one thing. I put this in show notes. Dan, Dan, can I, can I, uh, can I uh, ask you a question? Go ahead, caller. 
Thank you. In uh, as much as you can say, could you give the listeners a sense of where people would go oh. to see show notes for episode one, diggity 76, episode 176. 176 of your Back to Work program. Where would people go for that? 5by5.tv slash B as in boys, 2 as in 2, W as in men, slash C boys to men. Yeah, I got that one. ABC, BBD. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, be the 5by5.tv slash B2W slash 176. And the show notes are there. You can sign up for the newsletter, which sends you the show notes when we post our shows. And that way you can get them and be notified and follow along. Isn't that a nice feature? It's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get back into doing the good show notes. Uh, I wanted to mention, I, I feel like a, like a real uh, a box of turds that I haven't mentioned this sooner. Uh, we are having our fourth ungainly X-Men meetup. Woohoo! Woohoo! Here in San Francisco on, uh, on Thursday night. And there's a link there. To, you can go to MerlinM.com slash meetup to get the details. It's at um, Two Cats Comics in, here in West Portal in the far-flung regions of San Francisco. And uh, it's, it's a thing we, we do. And people come out, and there's like, this little small group of people that comes most times, and it's really, really fun. And then we go, uh, we have a drink next door. So you come out to the comic store, we talk about comics, uh, or, or, or whatever, about stuff. We might talk about Plex, whatever that is. You come out, we visit for a while, and it's actually a lot of fun, and it's a great, it's a great store. Easy to get to uh, with the public transit. You can see all the routes and uh, stuff on that page. And uh, so Thursday night which is the 26th of June at 7, oh, probably 7.30. I don't know. I'm going to set 7. I don't remember. But anyway, come out to Two Cats Comics, uh, West Portal. I read, I also uh, posted a link to an article that says uh, West Portal is the new uh, Noe Valley. It's the new Nui. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> good. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's pretty much all I've got. Yeah. Uh, Cheval, Cheval Diablo, is that right? Cheval C H E V A L dash D I A B L E, like devil horse. Devil horse. Devil's horse. Devil's horse. The horse, uh, sur la, sur la horse sans la plot de le diablo. Temple. Oof. I think I just made a Salvador Dali joke, but I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. His autobiography is uh, quite a read. I think it's called the it was called the Secret Life of Salvador Dali. Is that, like that the one he wrote himself? Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of the ones. Yeah, yeah. He wrote it about himself. Yeah, he's, he's a, a bit of a fabulist, as they say. Crutches. Big thing about crutches. Right? Yeah, crutches. All this weird melting stuff. Melting things. Ants. Uh, his lady. I saw a picture on the Tumblr. He uh, he drew a wiener on a girl's head one time. That's the kind of thing he would do. He was I've Spanish. Got a, I've got an email-related productivity question for you. Do you know he was he wanted to be the highest-paid actor of all time? Have you heard that story? I didn't know that. Tell me. I'm dying for to, for Jodorowsky's Dune documentary to get some more work to see it i'm dying to see this movie <laughs> it's so weird it looks so good so he so uh Jodorowsky, the director who was going to do dune in like 1974 went to salvador dolly said look i want you to play baron harkunin he's like oh but he wanted to be the highest paid actor i think he wanted i think it was a hundred thousand dollars a day or no it's a hundred thousand dollars an hour i think is what he wanted and <laughs> who, so when and who doesn't i mean this seems reasonable <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's bargaining power and what they arrived at was, we will pay you that amount of money for the amount of time that actually ends up on screen. But then the movie didn't get made, which is a tragedy. You go watch that. Have you watched? Have you watched the uh, the trailer? I did see the trailer. Yeah. Oh my god! Ah, oh, I can't wait to watch that. 
Fascinating story. Did you need any help? If I could just say, look, this is a segue. <laughs> off as the top of your in, head. As we say in Canada. <laughs> Did you have any questions about email productivity? Uh, creativity barriers, Dan, Merlin, anything I can help you with? Yes. And I wanted to, and this is a, this is a real question that mm -hmm. is happening right here in, in the office uh, here. Literally. Literally a unique problem. Did I tell you my daughter says that now? Literally unique? Mommy bought me an engineering set. Literally. <laughs> That's awesome. That's sweet. It is. Okay. Like, know. like father, like daughter. Literally. <laughs> <clears throat> well, here's one of the problems that we run into. Uh, there are, uh, we get a lot of email and we deal with lots and lots of different sponsors selling for different shows and, and, and that type of thing. And a couple of the people that, uh, that deal directly with them, you know, very frequently with when you're dealing with an advertiser or a sponsor, there's a very, very long cycle. Uh, that's a the sales cycle can take days, weeks, sometimes even longer to get a sponsor, just, you know, engage with them, get them interested in the shows that help them identify the shows that they think would be best. And then you go back and forth with an agreement and an IO and all this other stuff. But it's frequently very much a hurry up and wait kind of a situation. Like we need your proposal by 4 PM today or we can't do it. Okay. So then, you, you know, you've got to switch gears and try and do that. Uh, and, and then you don't hear from them for, for another week or two, and then they sign it and get back to you. But there's a lot of this hurry up and wait. And there's oftentimes when you have a, a smaller sponsor, they're more agile, as they say, where they're like, hey, we would like to get a, an episode of this show for next week. Can you let me know? And that might be a simple, straightforward, quick and easy sort of sale. And you get back and forth with them. What I'm saying is I think this is a common problem that people have where mm -hmm. they have emails that some of them are urgent and some of them are not urgent. But if I don't get back to that one person or if, if, if you know, our salesperson doesn't get back to that one person by the end of the day or by the next day, they say, oh, well, you know, I, we needed to decide what we were going to do and we, we didn't hear back from you. So we're on to the next thing. That doesn't happen a lot, but there's always that fear of that happening. So the, the, the salespeople, two of them in particular – are very much or they feel like they're chained to their email and yeah. it's 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 different if you're like a software developer and you're you, you can work on some code for a couple of hours and then open up your email oh there's three or four or five emails respond to them spend an hour on that close it down go back to development it's it's hard because these people are driven by their email. They live by their email. The email is always open. They're always seeing it and saying, oh, we, we've I got to respond to this now. And now I have three proposals open and I have five emails open and I'm waiting to hear about this before I can send this one. And this contract has to get And So all of these tiny little interdependencies are there waiting and I can't send this email until I know what we're doing with them. And this one hasn't written back. So this sponsorship in this week is still open. You can understand the complexities of this. Yeah. And like that would be, I can say from experience that. Uh, dealing with that kind of crazy workflow and strange expectations is very difficult for one person to do, but it's really crazy making for two or more people to try and coordinate on. <sighs> because part of the value of having staff to work on that stuff is that you don't have to have one person who's the czar of all that information. Yeah. So how do you come up with a system for, I mean, there's several pieces to that. Uh, well, I'll tell you, I, I have one like insanely specific suggestion <laughs> and then a general uh, series of uh, blithe comments um, because I went through this when, yeah. when I was when I was getting uh, may I address this yeah please 
Well, okay, first of all, uh, problem statement. Uh, there's a lot of pieces to this. I mean, there's, there's the one that always interests me, which is the expectations of the people reaching you, which is, you don't know, you don't, it's, you know, what, what is an email? What are you, what are you talking about? You, you get an email from somebody. <laughs> Talk, talking about it. Uh, talking about, uh, <laughs> but you get an email and it's like, well, just on the face of it, unless it says emergency, emergency, 911, you know, in the subject line, it's hard to know how really seriously and quickly to take a, a given email. And you might say, if you're that guy, and I hate that guy, but that guy would go, well, they're all super important. It's like, well, okay, then you're a crazy person and you're going to be dead before you're 30. <laughs> right. That'll be fun. Uh, but it's hard to know. I mean, there might be people, I, 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 gosh, it's so easy to automate things. You could have people out there just trying to get nibbles. I think especially with podcast, uh, not to be too inside baseball, but I think especially with podcast advertising these days, I think it's something a lot of people are trying out. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know how serious it's going to be. You might end up, you know, kind of dealing with these folks for a month before you realize what their budget is. And but they also might go like, "Oh my gosh, I have this much to spend by the end of June," because that's when there are this quarter changes or whatever. So you want to be receptive to that. Uh, the, the other piece then is the how naturally unconducive email is to the management of inf- information. Email is is peculiarly well suited uh, to taking a small bit of inbound. Uh, like a request or a question uh, to to know that you've gotten that question. I think a lot of people tend to think of email as the placeholder for getting that thing accomplished, and therein lies a problem. But emails, email's great for that stuff coming in. But again, if you have more than one person working on that, or even even if it is just the one person, do you want your inbox to turn into a to do list? Well, not probably not. You know, that's one way to stay sane for a while when you're getting started is to know it's all in one place, and maybe you're using flags or folders to keep on top of it. But you know, on the one hand, that doesn't really scale up. Um, second, it's, uh, it's, it's not as efficient, uh, or practical as putting it into other places. And third, it's, it, it really is virtually impossible if you're trying to do it with more than one person. So what do you do? You get one account, you know, how do you know, do you, you know, it's very unprofessional for like five people to be dealing with this person rather than like assigning them one person or knowing there's one czar for this piece of the project. So, and then finally, like I say, you know, if you do put that into a system, what kind of system is sensible? I, I've tried half a dozen. Uh, you know, Google Documents, Excel spreadsheets, all kinds of ways to see, like, show me everything that's at this point in the uh, sales funnel, like, however you want to think about that stuff. Um, so th- that's that's an interesting and difficult problem to solve that causes a lot of people a lot of stress. And, you know, and even in the case of, like, David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, he'll talk about, you know, how this is a system for people, like a person. GTD is a system for a person. It, there is no pretension of GTD being a system for a group. Because the system for the group is y'all get good at GTD and then work together, which I think actually kind of makes a lot of sense. But it's a real hang-up for people. Um, and just to give a flavor of the second wandering comment part of this, you know, I think I think there is this classic problem that we have talked about a lot of trying to solve uh, a nearly impossible human problem with a new technological solution, and then finding out that now you actually have instead of one problem now you have three problems. Mm. And I like to talk later about how that can happen. But at the risk of giving, uh, giving this guy's server more than he can handle, I'll tell you what I used and loved for pretty much exactly what you're describing. In, in the generic, I would suggest some kind of a very lightweight CRM, a customer relationship management yeah. app. Um, I know you know what that means. But, you know, and that could be something, I mean, do they even do high rise anymore? Like, didn't they sunset everything and they're just doing Basecamp now? Yeah, I think 37 Signals stopped doing. 
all of the other stuff and they renamed the company Basecamp and and right. and that's their single thing as far as going forward. I think if you have a high rise account, I might be wrong, I'll have to look, but I think you can continue using it. But well, they're not I, doing new development. Is that what they did? I, I've, I've tried several of these. There's one, uh, what is it? The Market Circle. Is that the name of that company that does daylight? They've got a Mac-based CRM that some people like. Hi-Rise is one. And of course, obviously, you could go out and like blow every dollar you'll ever have for the rest of your life on Salesforce. Uh, I would not recommend Sugar CRM, which is an open source one. I had a terrible experience personally with that. No offense, Sugar CRM. But... Um, even the even the like tabbing field to field was wrong. It was like, ugh, it's really frustrating. So I, I tried uh, high rise, but I eventually arrived at one that I really like a lot. And gosh, I'm I'm reluctant to say this because I don't I don't know how what kind of scale this guy's operation takes. But I like one called Heap CRM, and it's I think I told you about this a long time ago because uh, it, it's so awfully clever. Um, it's at wbpsystems.com. And it's just made out of APIs, pretty much. Yeah, it's made put out it of, in the in the show notes. So all yeah. of these ones we're talking about. Big loads of JSON. I mean, that's pretty much the whole thing. Hmm. <clears throat> you can do stuff like anything that'll do like JSON-y, uh, API-ish things. You can, uh, so basically you, you get this service, which is, at, at the time it was precisely competitive with Hi-Rise. I think it was like $9 a seat a month. I don't know what it costs now. But, uh, but, but I thought this was, it's, not the, it's far from the prettiest thing you'll ever use. But it's got a surprising number of features that work with apps you already use. So, for example, um, you can have a MailChimp. Uh, I'm not a MailChimp. I apologize. A um, you could get a uh, oh my god, what's the email uh, thing I use with the forms? What's that called? Text uh, expander. No, no the uh, the service uh, for doing emails. Oh, but for you like can rec- go receiving emails like uh, yeah, like public- you make a custom form and all that stuff. Is it Brace? No. We'll cut, we'll cut all this out. Yeah, we'll edit this out in post. Uh-huh. See, now, now i got to know or it's going to drive me crazy. Um, There's a really neat service that I subscribe yeah, I'll to. T- I'll tell you what. Let me tell you about something I like. You look it up Oh, thank you, Dan. I, I appreciate I'll, that. I'll, it's called uh, being a wingman. I'm being your wingman. Mm, thanks, wingy. Woofoo. You know who I love? I love Linda. Mm, Linda. Speaking of getting things done. Que linda. Que linda. Lynda.com is spelled L-Y-N-D-A.com. What do they do? They help you learn and keep up to date with pretty much, I know this sounds impossible, but with pretty much everything, software, you can pick up brand new skills, you can, even hobbies. And this all happens with what what we used to call screencasts. They're video tutorials made by experts that will show you how to do these things that you're interested in. Everything from what, what, People would almost take for granted today in being in an office like, yes, they will show you how to use Microsoft Office and related tools. Sure. But then it gets much more specific and more, even more complicated and even more interesting. You want to learn how to do Final Cut Pro. They've got that. They have more than 2,400 courses, industry experts teaching these things. Logic Pro, you want to, you want to do your own podcast? Logic Pro, go take a course on it. They got Adobe Creative Cloud in there. I mean, you name it. And of course, the GTD stuff. Is in there, and again, this is not by people who are like, "Oh, I spent a couple hours taught myself how to do some logic, and now I've got a class on it on, online." No, these are people who do this for <laughs> you like that. These are people who do that for a living. This That's is pe- Cle- that was Cletus the screencaster. Yeah, 
And the courses are structured so that you learn from start to finish. Or let's say you're already at an intermediate level. That's fine. Go to the intermediate section. Jump to the part you want. They're not going to charge you based on the number of courses that you watch. They're not going to charge you based on how many you finish or complete. You can jump around and do it. How do they do that? Well, the way that they do this is with a straightforward monthly subscription. It's 25 bucks a month and you get access to the entire library, every single course. Watch it as much as you want as often as you want any of those courses within that time frame. So think about it like this. You might want to let like, so many people will call into like quit and be like, well, I want to get into web development. What do I need to know? Well, you get to, you know, learn HTML five, you get to learn CSS. You might want to learn some PHP or rails courses for all this stuff is there. It's the complete package. You just pick the ones you want, do the ones that you want and uh, high quality, not like YouTube stuff. This is really, really high end stuff. And uh, there's a special deal. Lynda.com, they will give you a special offer. You can access the entire library free for seven days. URL is lynda.com slash back to work, spelled out. Seven day free trial. And that's lynda.com slash back to work. You want to support the show? Go sign up. Go to that URL, sign up, try it out, watch a few videos. You don't like it? No obligation, no big deal. But I think you're going to find stuff uh, to learn and you're really going to enjoy it. So thanks very much to lynda, lynda.com slash back to work. Good job. Do you find your thing? Yeah, I'm. I, I see. I I remember emailing this guy one time and feeling like a little uncertain about like like how much you know. I, I don't want to. I want to cream this guy's server, but it's a really neat service. This Heap CRM. So in a nut. Uh, by the way, the service I was thinking was Wufu, which is uh, a fan. Oh yeah, Wufu. Of course. Yeah, they're incredible. So you they're go in great. And, you go in and build online forms and. Uh, I, I only mention that because it's one particularly good example. So, for example, at the one end of your sales sales funnel, uh, you've got I used I used to really blanch at these terms, you know, leads and opportunities and clients and all those different kinds of like douchey sounding words. But there is actually, you know, those those do actually have meanings. Um, like a lead is just somebody who is out there. An opportunity is somebody you've talked to who you at least have a basic interest in trying to work with. And then a client is somebody where you're, you've engaged them and you're, you're doing work. So, you know, one of the challenges, if you really want to get big, is to be able to handle a large amount of stuff coming in. Now, again, if you're doing that by yourself with email, that's going to be tough, unless that is your dedicated job and you already have a system. What's nice about this, though, you go to Wufu, for example, and you can go set up a form and you can build a really canny form um, that long and short of it is you could get some basic qualification and interest stuff from the person. And then because that spits out a big wad of JSON, you not only get the email from that, it can also send that um, in its JSON-y way to, to Heap CRM. So now that gets entered in as an opportunity automatically. It, it creates a new, you know what I mean? There's a new like contacting company. Right. And you can do lots of really cool stuff like you can associate values with certain selections if you want to get that fancy with it. But that's, that's like at the very front end now, you've got a way of saying, okay, it's not just I have to sit here and process this form. At any time, I guess, I guess there's, there's a core value here in, in an app like this though, like Heap CRM or whatever you choose, which is that you're really dealing with the app instead of thinking of email or Excel or whatever as the place where this stuff happens. You've got, you're using a tool that's made for collaboration and is made to deal with other tools. So you can have this integrate with your, with your uh, Google account stuff. You can have, you know, uh, share calendar stuff with that. You can create workflows. It's pretty bananas. You can go in and create workflows of saying like, here's a basic kind of workflow that happens. Like if I want to send out an email to these 50 people, here's the, the flow for this and what should happen and how, who to follow up with when and so forth. So I guess I shouldn't go into too much detail, but I would say have a look at that. 
it's not super pretty, but I, I found it really powerful. Um, and it's, you know, it's definitely in the right price range. So you could at least give that a spin. It will take you some time to get it set up. And yeah. it could be a real rat hole if you're the kind of person who spends time on stuff like that. But the general first part of this is find an app that everybody can deal with and, and make sure that it suits the actual needs of the project rather than just specifically being the app that Merlin likes or the app that Dan likes. Make sure it's an app that your team can deal with. And for a lot of people, I have to say something like Google Docs may be a good place to start. You know, at the very least, you've got name information, you know, uh, who's sort of charged with keeping in contact with that person. It's nice to have stuff like reminders, though. It is nice to have stuff like, here's what I need to talk to this person about by this time. You know, after this date, if I haven't heard back, do the following and that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, and then, of course, the proviso is, like I say, be careful because that can really become a rat hole, spending time on those kinds of things. But I think you brought up an interesting problem. Does, does that make sense? Is this, yeah, no, it definitely, I mean, the, it basically that, the the shorter version of your answer is there there is or are tools for that that, that can help it uh but gosh it's just it's it's hard because we try to follow these uh the, the the very good advice of treat going through your email or treat email in general as a project and dedicate time for it and but it's very hard and and um and the people here have come to me and, and when i've been suggesting things like that they're like but uh, so you're saying only spend, for example, 30 minutes doing email. And if I don't get through those, you know, all, the, all 20 emails that are there, then just stop and go home. Right. Like, that's great. That's the kind of employee you want is somebody who like cares and is afraid to leave something undone because they know, you know, bad right. things could happen. But, yeah. it, you know, the tool will help with this. But what, you know, what about that constant influx of of people saying, I need this. We need this. And knowing that it's not the regular time, because I think there's a lot of people who are sort of, you know, doing their own thing or entrepreneurs or, or out there, you know, making stuff uh, and, and building stuff. And they, you want to be really responsive. You don't ever, the worst thing is like, I haven't heard back. Yes. That's the worst, the worst sentence somebody can put in, in in relating to sales is I haven't heard back. Like even, right. you know, even if their time frame for not hearing back for them is two hours, like maybe we can't be that responsive, but you know, it, it, that sucks. Like, how do you get around that? It's, it's different when you're in a, in an office and you're working on a project and you're one of 10 people working on a big project and you're doing your part every day and you come into work and you sit down and you write or you do code or you do design. Uh, and, and then like, Oh, I got these things done today and I'm going to commit my code to GitHub and guess what? I'm done. And oh, you know, my tests work and the thing built. So I'm done. It's not like that. Everything is always like ongoing. There's always more. There's always more questions. How do you sort this out? Yeah. The tool is going to help for sure. But that urgency that you feel when people are asking you questions and, how, and you can't ignore one person and answer another person without damaging that relationship. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, and it seems like I didn't answer your question. I, no, I you did, you did. Well, no, but here's, here's the thing. I think part of what you're describing, though, is part of the problem is that it's not really an email problem. And if you make it an email problem, that's when you get screwed. Because what are you really trying to do? What you're really trying to do is run a business where you have a sane flow of sponsors that are scheduled to get what they paid for and the listeners are happy and you're happy and sponsors are happy. What, you know, think about what the goal of it is. Is the goal to answer email? The goal is not really to answer email. It is in the very short term. But think about the long-term relationships that you've had that worked out well. 
it's the long-term relationships that have worked out well are where something started maybe pretty randomly. Maybe it started with an email. Maybe it started with meeting somebody at a party. But think about your most high value. Oh God, let me just go officially into douche mode here. <laughs> think about the most high value clients that you have and what ended up being the thing that made your relationship valuable to both of you. And now replicate that. Because there is a certain, I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't answer your email. I'm not saying that. I'm getting to that. But I, th- but I think it's important to, to remember that like, Retaining the customers you have is very important and keeping them happy is very important. And it's easy to lose that in the lights when you get busy with looking for new business. So part of what I'm saying is that you do need one place where all of this stuff goes. And once you have one place where all this stuff goes and consequently one system for how we process and we have whatever you want to call them, workflows or however we deal with stuff, it becomes a lot less of an email problem and a lot more of a, a person business, a contact sport. Um, so why do I say that? Well, you know, it is, you're right. You you do want to respond to people. You do want to stay on top of things. You do want to be, you know, sound enthusiastic and energetic about total strangers. You have to, that's your job. Mm-hmm. And that's where an app like this, not to beat this thing to death, comes in handy. There, You could have stuff like an auto-response that will just write very short auto-response that yeah. writes back and says, hey, here's the information you sent me. You can expect to hear back from us in the next 24 hours. Mm-hmm. This is an emergency. Here's the special number. Right. Give them the, the Google Voice number. And then if you feel like, because you know, that, probably that person's a nut if they're doing that. Nobody needs to be on a podcast in 24 hours, probably. probably but if they not. do, if they do, give them that avenue. But don't turn your entire operation upside down over the idea of trying to please someone insane. Like, that's a terrible idea. So that's why I say, if you get a system where this stuff goes, now that people come in in the morning, whether that's 6 a.m. or 8 a.m. or 11 a.m., they come in and they start churning through all the stuff that's happened in the next day. That auto-response says, you can, you can plan to hear from us by the, before the end of the next business day. I personally think that's uh, a totally reasonable expectation. And then you get the safety net of, but here's the special number if something's horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. That's always nice to have. Yeah. Especially when you've gotten big enough to have more than one person. But the problem is, like, what are they doing with all of that email when it arrives? I mean, it, you know, if you've got more than, is there more than one person who's responding to those emails when they come in or is it just one person right well, now? Well, t- typically it's it's one person who's sort of the, can be, I mean, we all have access to them, but there's one person who's kind of like a, a gateway for, for new incoming business. So it's like, hey, we want to advertise with Archer and, and on, on the shows. So how do we get started? So that's a person who handles that. It's usually more once we may, we get past that and we decide of of the two or three people that including me who will handle it like somebody gets the account if you will and we say okay now this person's responsible for these 3 or 4 or 10 accounts and and has to try and ba- now balance that out of uh, okay all of these people need attention and they all need communication and how do we keep that efficient how do we make right, sure that, right, right. that when somebody shows up and says hey we're we're working on our budget for Q3 this week um, let's have a phone call and then we'll need a couple proposals and then we'll need an IO and we'll need the back and forth. But if you have that happening and it's not necessarily a people, a number of people problem, but it's just being able to be responsive to all those people and manage the, the new stuff that's coming in and handle reaching out to other people and, and have that in a better workflow. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's easy. Cause if you're, again, I go back to my days as like a developer, that's what I remember. Like there's tons and tons and tons of tools for like, integrating code and optimizing code and managing the development process and the design process. And the, the only ones that I've seen that, that do this are like you were saying, like the Salesforce, because there was one called Goldmine I used to use back in the 90s and, and Salesforce, which again are these 
there there are, truly are a small fortune of ongoing yearly subscriptions to use these, and we're just not big enough to. They're incredibly. We don't expensive. have three hundred yeah. people, you know, across the country with their laptops driving around in cars, knocking on doors. You know, like that's what Salesforce is for. You know. Well, here's here's part of what, and I'm not I'm not trying to. You know, I would never try to dismiss the kind of crazy anxiety people feel about having to deal with right. an unknown thing with email. I don't, I'm not trying to be dismissive of that. What I am going to keep driving to the net on, though, is like, what is it that needs to be done so quickly with it? Do you just need to say, hi, thank you, I got your email, I'll write back tomorrow? Sometimes. Okay. Some, yes, some, yes, sometimes that's, well, that then you is do that. enough. Yeah. Then you do that, and then that's enough, but is that, and again, you have to decide for yourself. One of the reasons, do you remember Stick It? Uh, oh, back in the day. Yeah, yeah, Rel Dornfest. Rel Dornfest. Gosh, thing. he's yeah. such a smart guy. He's at Twitter, right? Yeah, less, I think they I think were quote unquote acquired by Twitter. Anyway, Stickit was really neat because uh, if you remember Stickit, that ability to basically email anything to the Stickit address and by using canny, basically tagging inside of the message. And was, was it, Syracuse calls it like in band. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, you could do that with this app, this Heap CRM app. So if you're sitting there in bed, you can't sleep, you get up at two in the morning, you see that there's an email from somebody, you can then forward that. So you could respond to that person right away. That's good. I don't know if you want to give them your direct email address at two in the morning, but you could do that if that's a thing you do. What I would do is with an app like this, I would forward that to, in the lightest weight implementation I know of, forward that to this Heap CRM app, Mm -hmm. and you can actually type, like basically key values pairs, key value pair. So you could basically say like type, I don't know if I forget what they are, but something like type colon opportunity, hmm. percent colon, like how likely this is to happen, hmm. value colon this. Like to me, that's that's super smart and valuable. And you can set that up to then auto-respond to that person and say, you can even have it say like, if this is a greater than 50% opportunity, send, it, send my enthusiastic email. Do that automatically. But that's all being done through the system. It's, it's just all, the thing like, like, that I keep coming back to though is like, what is it that we're doing with all of that email we're so worried about? And, you know, if, if, you're, if your only response can be respond to it like a spaz, then that's kind of all you can do. What I would say is get out of that mindset of thinking that email is the place where all this stuff has to happen. Email is a conduit mm-hmm. for stuff coming in and moving out, but it's a terrible place to try and manage any real traffic. Uh, you know, that needs to be happening someplace else. And and if, you know, God willing, you get busy enough, what you're describing is completely unsustainable. Yeah. It would be impossible to keep trying to run a business by answering email on your phone. That's no way to run a business. I mean, you need something that scales up better than that and then lets you maintain all that so that you can come in in the morning, have a cup of coffee, sit down and look at it. Whether that's Excel, whether that's Daylight, whether that's Salesforce, Sugar, Heap, whatever it is, you come in and you can look at that and go, here's all the stuff that just came in. Is there anything I need to do about this? Here's all the stuff that has been around for a while. Here's stuff I need to check in on. Um, so I guess it's, it's not even so much, I don't mean to fetishize any given system for this, except that like, once you start using a system like that, you know, you can become a little less anxious about the email part of it. Cause you know, the balls aren't going to get dropped, but I mean, I'd be happy to talk about, you know, gosh, I'll always be happy to talk about what to do about email anxiety. Cause I, I think that's always an interesting topic. Yeah. But but just to maybe to close out this part, I think it's always a balance, and this gets to the part two that I was talking about. I was I was talking to a guy recently. I'm doing some work with about changing some stuff where he works, and I just you know he knows this, but I always feel like I want to remind people of this is to be circumspect about introducing new technologies, not because they're expensive, not because they're hard, not because they're anything, but just because there's a very natural inclination, especially among geeks, to want to 
take something that feels like a problem you understand and then try to fix it with a tool or a technology or a platform or a whatever. You know, everything will be so much better if we just start using Erlang. Like this will all be mm-hmm. so great if everybody would just use the wiki. And there's all of these things that the thing is that like I say, you end up with two problems. Because on the one hand, you've got the problem you didn't realize, which is, do you think this is a problem of communication? Or you think this is a problem of this very person, like a classic, the, this most powerful or second most powerful person in the office gives you all this pushback about using the tool that everybody else has to use, which then makes everybody else kind of use it less because they're setting kind of a poor example. Mm-hmm. Or, or they're using it sporadically. They're using it incorrectly. People have to go in and clean up. They're creating all this stuff. And so a, a geek's perspective on that is to want to go in and make a better system but you can't really get a better system to work unless it's something that everybody can and will use in mostly the same way, or at least in a way that doesn't break everything. So, you know, this took me a really long time to learn because there was a time when I was like, geez, I felt like there's a time probably not, you know, in the early 2000s, I would say, where I discovered SourceForge and I had my pair account, my <laughs> right. pair.com account. Right. And I was just, I was putting every conceivable content management system on that thing. I was trying everything, every different wiki package. And I always felt like the solution to all of these things was always a technological problem. When I had to schedule calls for people in the days before Tungle or whatever, like it, it was so frustrating to me because Yahoo Calendar was the closest to anything that would let me do that in a sane way, but it felt like the tool wasn't really up to the job. Then Google Calendar came along and that was better. Things like Tungle are better. But what if there's one person who doesn't ever look at the Tungle invitation? What if there's one person who refuses to answer that email? There's no system that fixes that and it frustrates three parties at that point. You, as the aggrieved party who's trying to make the system work, is frustrated because you're feeling like this has become a power play or, or that maybe the person's just ignorant. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the person who's not using the system well or correctly who thinks everybody else is a lunatic because, hey, look, I'm the rainmaker with the Porsche and I shouldn't have to go play with everybody else's uh, crayons the same way. And then you have everybody else in the company who's trying their best to just keep it together, and they're, but they're seeing this example of the system not being used correctly. So... You know, it needs to be, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I guess I just feel like that's, this is such a problem, like quarterly in every business is like, do we get this new thing? It's so costly to buy something. It's so costly to maintain it. Really costly to to, to train people. And, And the thing is, if it's not costly to do, you're either deluded or, or crazy, because if you actually get somebody to be good at any tool, it takes time. Like I can just tell you, if you think if you think uh, the answer to every problem is Salesforce, wow, get ready. Because basically, there's so much tweaking. There's so much. I mean, no matter what package you use, there's so much stuff you have to do. There's so much training, so much upkeep. I mean, it's a very costly process. And I guess I just always come back to this one thing that's so boring and so hippie. But make sure that you're not trying to solve a basic human problem or a basic human misunderstanding, a basic human miscommunication? Are there basic human things that need to be fixed before you can have any technology work? Do you have, I mean, there's so many examples of this. There are places where, like I say, a couple people are upsetting the apple cart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just think about stuff like, you know, please lock the door at the end of the day or please turn the lights off at the end of the day. It only takes one person not doing that consistently to lead to really big problems. If you don't turn off the coffee pot at the end of the day, like it's going to burn the bottom of the coffee pot. You need to do that. Everybody else in the company turns off the coffee pot when they leave. But this one person, it just doesn't occur to them. It's not important. They're busy. And now that harms everybody else in the office. Well, there's having a reminder system that pops up on everybody's computer everywhere 
because you couldn't just have it pop up on the one offender screen, right? That would be really embarrassing. Now, everybody has to be reminded, like, you know, your mom doesn't work here. Clean up your dishes. When it's really like a couple people that are causing the problem. So, so I guess one, one thing I, I sometimes suggest when people are struggling with these things is to imagine, like, what, what if the worst offenders, you do like an 80-20 thing. What if the worst offenders who are not playing ball with everybody else, what if they weren't the actual problem here? or they didn't work here, what would be a system that most of us could get along with? Mm-hmm. And I've just found from my own experience, that's an exercise that's very difficult for most people because all they see is that big rock, the person who won't do it right. Or, uh, you know, or you know, like I say, the person who upsets the apple cart. But try to come up with a system that's, that's sane and sustainable. It isn't simply fun to use. It's not just a pinball machine. Mm-hmm. But there's so much you can still do with a spreadsheet and like a, a pivot table. There's just amazing stuff that you can do if everybody just agrees on how to use it together. Um, but anyway, I'm sorry I'm ranting, but I'd be happy to talk more about the email anxiety part. I think that at the heart of it, though, there's just a basic office or work culture problem of thinking that human problems can be solved with technology, changes or additions to technology. And in my experience, it almost invariably makes the problem worse. So that was a great quote. Somebody said, I forget who said this, you know, success is a great deodorant. It's kind of along that lines of that uh, John Syracuse and Microsoft problem. Like, as long as things are going great, you never have a reason to look at your process. As long as everything's going, right. you know, as long as that trend line is moving up and we're making more money, there's no reason to, to doubt our basic assumptions about how we work together. It's only when things start to go poorly that people get really excited about looking at that stuff. Yeah. And the problem is, by that point, it's too late. Because now you have emotions involved. Now there's more money involved. You know, and it's, if you can't, if you can't, address or be aware of the basic work culture behind the problem, there's no technology in the world that'll fix it. Nice. Well, that's a downer. What a downer. Yeah. No, but it does. I mean, it, everything you're saying makes sense in that it it's as much having a good tool, but also ha- the, the, the human problem, right, of, of uh, expectation, of setting the right expectation, of being able to respond based on that and understanding that and trying to, you know, I remember... Um, Back before Gary Vaynerchuk's stuff like totally exploded and he was everywhere that you could email him and he would reply to you and you could have like a conversation with him. And then it, then you started getting these um, these uh, auto replies from him that would say like the subject line would, you know, it have an R.E. and then your subject line. And at the top of it, it had the automated response, which was like, I'm completely busy. I probably won't get to to read your email anytime soon. But if you want me to see it really soon. Change the subject line to be all caps, urgent, urgent, urgent. (laughs) And and like, you know, but the interesting thing was that there's this sends a few messages. The the first message is is like, okay, he my email made it. So that's kind of good. Right. Like uh, it it got where it was supposed to go. So that's fine. The second thing is it it kind of says, wow, he's really busy. Uh, what I sent him maybe wasn't that important and maybe I'll never hear back and that's a bummer. And number three, do I really have the guts to change the subject line and reply and put urgent, urgent, urgent in all caps because I think what I have to say is so important and am I technically abusing it because it really isn't urgent and now I'm being kind of dishonest by saying this thing I really want him to hear is is urgent. You know, like I don't want to force people I'm not saying I would do this, but you know, like I, I want to make it easier for people. I want to make it easier for the people here. I want to make it easier for, yeah. for communication. And, you know, and at some point, 
putting that tool into place or doing something like that is going to help. But I always, I'm always so hesitant because the very last thing I want is, is, you know, to make it seem either more formal than it has to. Well, or, to turn it just to catastrophize it. Like, yeah. you know, part of what you're describing with the Gary Vaynerchuk thing is that Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, decided to get famous by basically saying, I respond to your email, which I think is lunacy, but that's what he did. And <laughs> right. that became his thing. And then when that wasn't sustainable anymore, he took this thing that had been, and this is nothing to criticize him, but that was never sustainable. That was bananas to, to offer that. But, you know, the, then you take this thing that was supposed to be fun and light and you turn it into this big burden. And so I want to pivot a little bit here to, to maybe suggest something a little more useful. Did you have anything else to tell me about that no, you like? No, no, okay. that was it. Here's the thing. Um, you know, I think there's something, I know I do this. I am pretty positive you do this. And I think most people do this, which is we tend to think, when we think about things like setting up a system for dealing with new clients, we think about a system for whatever, home security, like whatever it is, anything that represents an interface between us and the world, we only tend to start thinking about needing that interface or being aware of that interface at the point when we're already a little bit in the weeds. So most people don't think about burglar alarms until they read, read something about somebody being burglarized. Most people don't think about uh, the culture behind the way they use technology at work mm -hmm. until it's either become a problem or until there's a sudden obvious need to add something that will make this easier. There's all these points where when that interface, again, the deodorant thing, like all of these interfaces are either invisible or I'm aware of them and they're working well. It's only when I start to think about, okay, I am never going to have another weekend like I just had. This was crazy. I didn't get five minutes to myself all weekend because all of a sudden we're blessed with success and now I'm answering mm -hmm. emails all the time, Yeah, right? We all have that feeling where suddenly the interface becomes clear and it stops feeling like this little private area that we deal with and we now have to kind, we have to build a wall a little bit, or we have to put a stronger door. We have to do something. And I think, so does that make sense? We don't think about it too much until we really need it, which sounds obvious, but it's yeah. kind of not, yeah. right? So you're already, one is already coming into this with a certain amount of emotion and maybe even defensiveness. Mm. And when you come into something with emotion and defensiveness, you tend to think in extremes, and I think that's, for myself, that's where I've run into problems in the past. When I've tried to, I've tried all kinds of autoresponders. I've never met anybody who is happy to get an auto response. It doesn't matter how nice it is. It either sounds really perfunctory uh, or, or it sounds pretentious. Or, but nobody's ever gone, oh, that's, that's a really hilarious thing. That person must be busy. Everybody thinks the same person. What a dick. That's what everybody thinks when you get an auto response. Right. And no matter how funny you try to make it or how cute you try to make it. Or how, or how uh, sincere you try to be or anything. It's like, oh, great, a robot. Dan, when I put food in our microwave oven, I hit quick minute. It warms up my macaroni and cheese. It beeps five times it goes, <laughs> at the end. It goes beep, 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 mm -hmm. beep. And then a little LED message comes across the screen of our microwave. It says, enjoy your meal. And, and it makes me <laughs> physically angry every time I see it. Because my microwave oven, my microwave oven does not actually care whether I whether or that I enjoy my macaroni. You don't believe and the sentiment is real there. I want to. I want to tape. I want to put tape over it. It makes me so angry. Oh man! And that's what happens with an auto response. So here's what I, we got to wrap this up. But here's all I'm thinking: is that you know, first of all, I guess the, to take a step back, as we like to do sometimes on this program, start being aware of what the interfaces are that are already there, and if they're working well, 
you know, you don't want to crush the bunny, but think a little bit about what interfaces are working well and isn't that an interesting thing? Wow, that might have a lot to do with the fact that there's this one person who's like doing a lot of mopping up when nobody else is looking. Yeah. Like there's somebody who's doing a lot of like, you know, uh, a good wiki elf, as they used to say, like somebody who's out there doing lots of little things to keep the place running. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we never run out of coffee? We must have an elf. Well, no, there's just somebody who's like basically the mom of the office right. who does that because nobody else does. Okay, is that a good interface? Is do, the, do we want to talk to that person and see if they need help with these things? But yay, interface, good interface. And if you are struggling with that, this new interface or dealing with uh, the, the big world, try not to think in extremes. So here's two extremes. One extreme, and I, I hear you, I feel like I hear you saying this, is like the, the, what you keep bringing to me is that, 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 that email that just arrived. Yeah. There's an email that just arrived. That's all we know. Okay. The email that just arrived is probably from a lead who might want something, Archer, to do some advertising things. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it could be somebody who's really demanding. It could be somebody who's really powerful. I, no, I absolutely do not want to disappoint that person. Uh, which is all totally valid. But like what percentage of the emails that you get are like a big blustering, like uh, J. Jonah Jameson kind of character? Yeah. Like what percentage of those are actually insane people with ridiculously high demands who you're that scared to offend? Um, probably not as many as you uh, fear, but also like if you did have all of those, like eh, I'll be me. Like I, I don't like working with people like that. I don't want to piss them off. But I certainly don't want to change my entire life and bend, bend the reeds every day to try and make this insane person happy. So on the one end, you've got, you're, you're sitting there clenched, right? You're puckering up, <laughs> waiting for, the, for Jonah Jameson to, to send you an insert. And on the other end, you're going, yeah, but how do I not, how do I help myself not miss this message from like a friend of uh, my kids, you know, my, my parents of my kid's friend or something like that. Yeah. So you got these two like ridiculous extremes. The problem is there's no system that's going to be perfect at dealing with both of those, but that doesn't mean you don't need a system. Instead, look at the 80% in the middle or the 90% in the middle, which is like, okay, I wish I had more relationships with people like, uh, like Ryan at Squarespace, more people like Mark at MailChimp. I wish there were more relationships like that. How do I build those? And that's the thing. How do you make somebody, rather than just make somebody feel like you responded fast, how do you make them feel loved intensely early on? You know what I mean? Like, how do you, you know what I mean? Rather than saying, like, how do I defend myself from the J. Jonah Jamesons, it's more like, how do I put myself open to, like, these good new people? And that's a, that's a funny thought technology. But I think when we always plan for the worst conceivable outcome, that's when we become Yosemite Sam. That's when we start doing really, that's when we become the coyote, Wiley Coyote. We start coming up with the craziest traps that will do nothing but make an anvil fall on our own head. And instead, if you plan for like the same life you'd like to have and then allow that there's going to be outliers that you can't always take care of, I think you get a, a more sane life. Is that too Pollyanna? No, not at all. It's a little Pollyanna. Mm, not, not really. I had a lot of coffee. How much? All of that. <laughs> you want to button this up? Yeah, sure. Okay, I love you. I love you too, Merlin, man.